Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. I'm going to take a slightly different approach. Being the Dean of the College of Science, I'm going to be very qualitative today. <laughs> and I will basically, I think, try to give you the things that worry me the most. Starting with the country, following with the U of A, continuing with the College of Science, and ending with this new construct called the College of Letters, Arts, and Sciences. Okay? Let me start with a few sort of ideas that may now be passe, but I strongly believe that the equalizer in this country, that which really sort of takes us to what the Constitution suggests, have been the universities. It equalized us depending of who, where we were born and whatnot. If P through 12 did their job, universities were really the ones that were able to equalize our silver spoon or wooden spoon, whatever we were born with. And I am hugely concerned that, um, that what's happening now is, is going to change the dynamics of our higher institutions to a way that only one of two things can happen. One, we will become second-rate institutions as opposed to the privates, or we will all become privates. One way or the other, I think that this fact that we will consider equalizers will become perhaps not so true. What worries me specifically about the idea of us becoming privates are some of the data that we can, I can just bear to, to you about the University of Arizona. 30% of the students that enter the University of Arizona do not test into the lowest mathematics course we offer, 30%. Uh, in the past, and I don't know what the numbers are today, 25% of our freshman class flunked out. So the idea of having students come to the university and that we truly are or become a private institution, how do we actually deal with that? We can deal with it now because our measures from the state are sort of mushy. Um, certainly this would not happen at Harvard. What will happen to these folks that right now either shouldn't be at the university or if they come to the university, we do take our job seriously and try to get them an education. Because that's one thing the U of A does quite well, I think, probably better than any university I've been to, and that is that the disparate students that come to us, which are these that shouldn't really be at a university but somehow got into it, and those that could be at Caltech, Harvard, or MIT are here, and we teach them all. And we teach them all, and I think that if you look at our faculty, they take it seriously enough, uh, not just to flunk out those that shouldn't be here. Not only the faculty, but everybody else. I mean, there are all kinds of courses, and there are all kinds of, of, of programs, and there's all kinds of stuff trying to make these students actually succeed. So, so how do we do that at a time when tuitions are going through the roof, where our faculty numbers are coming down, uh, where we're sort of in this sort of sandwich thing in the middle, sort of like peanut butter, uh, in which we get too little money to do what we're told to do, and, um, and we would like to actually charge more money uh, for something that we may not be able to do. So, so those are some of the questions that I think sort of keep me up at night. I'm incredibly proud of what we do now. 
And I think that as we move forward, and, and the money sort of disappear from the state, the question is, will they disappear uh, without their uh, oversight, or will they disappear but will maintain their oversight? Then we're really in a bit of a pickle. If you, if you look at the, um, at the College of Science as an example of, of things, and let me just say another thing that sort of bothers me and worries me. As we move ahead, and this is nothing completely new. I mean, universities exploded in the past when the Russians put a Sputnik on the, uh, uh, out there, and then all of a sudden our politicians said, well, the Russians aren't going to feed us. They put a ton of money into the institutions. Our Lunar Planetary Laboratory building was built with federal funds because we have to put a, you know, something up in, in, in space. So there's always been this issue about science and technology giving us you know, the leg up. But I think that we're sort of losing, uh, losing the fact that, that that's only part of it. We, we cannot be only measured, or we shouldn't only be measured, if we're a higher education institution, by the science or by the engineering. The liberal arts is something that really makes us very different. Um, that's a challenge. How are we going to actually convince not only our legislatures, because our legislatures are nothing more than parroting what a large proportion of our society says, I think, or at least the ones that vote. The problem is that we should be much more than a technological institution. And we should have the fine arts, we should have the humanities, we should have the political science, we should have all that stuff because we should be educating students and we shouldn't only be training students. So, so the challenge is how we're going to continue doing that uh, as we are sort of measured more and more, uh, or at least the rhetoric is what is the university doing for us, period. And of course, if we say that we've increased the economy or if we've done this and that or if we put a Sputnik up there, that's an easy measure. But when you start talking about bettering our, the human condition without talking about medicine and without talking about telephones, it becomes a much more esoteric kind of conversation, uh, one that it seems to me our legislatures don't quite get. So that's one, one set of problem or questions that sort of worry me. The other set of questions that completely worry me and uh, is how do we actually deal, because I think it is our job, how do we deal with the enormous misinformation that is out there? So we've gone from a society from ignorance to misinformation. I'm sure that ignorance was better, actually, because you're not as opinionated as ignorance as you are if you read something in the Internet that's wrong. So, so misinformation is a significant problem that we're going to have to deal with in the future, and somehow or another, universities which are in charge of creating and disseminating knowledge have to be in charge of figuring out how we deal with misinformation as well. And that is a real challenge. I think you see that example in a variety of scientific issues that are brought to the public to vote, global climate change, actually in Tucson it was a wars of the past. Issues that are scientific in nature as an example or technological in nature that are addressed in the political arena uh, with a tremendous amount of misinformation. I think we've done a poor job at trying to lead conversations about what is information, what is misinformation, and I think that's our responsibility. So I agree with, with, with Ron that looking at your rear back uh, uh, mirror is, is completely useless. I think we're sort of following the path of 
of the medical profession and others that have been dinged before we were in some kind of transition. And, and the question is, what are we going to end up like? One of the good things, though, is that it really should focus us very specifically into clarifying what our mission is, something that I think we haven't done very well. Specifically, state-aided institutions. What is the mission of a state-aided institution like the University of Arizona in research? To me, it's, I mean, I have my own view. I think that the mission of all state-aided institutions is to allow our undergraduate students access to, what we, to our research. It's very simple. But that's what makes us different than Hope College. We actually have an enormous infrastructure which should give our students a very different opportunity to get educated than in a small liberal arts college. Not better or worse, but different. And, and I think that we should be focusing then, and maybe we, I'm sure that in this room there are at least 20 other ideas of what our mission should be, but I think that it gives us the opportunity of focusing hard on the mission of, of the University of Arizona so that we can actually then create the programs to support that mission. And I think that in the past we had a fuzzy mission and we had funny, fuzzy finances would change because it wasn't clear. I think that this allows us to clarify. Now, if, if you take the College of Science, which is what I've been involved in uh, for, for the longest time as, as a subset of what the mission could be for, uh, for the whole university, and what, what we do, of course, is we, we very much create knowledge. Uh, that's number one. Uh, if you don't create knowledge, it's hard to transmit it. I'm not the first one to say this, but it's, uh, it's way better if you, if you go into some fancy restaurant and you have a fancy chef that actually understands what he's doing versus a chef that's reading Julia Child, as good as Julia Child was. You want to be able to be creating your own knowledge. So number one, we have to be creating our own knowledge. We have to be pushing this, this, uh, this country forward with the knowledge, and uh, in, in all ways, that is going to be uh, helping change are the way we live, and then how we transmit that knowledge and how we actually affect the community that we live in, outreach. And I think we have to take that incredibly seriously. And each one of the colleges at the University of Arizona will do that in a different way. In the case of Ron Marks, he's already described a variety of programs that he has to impact what the University of Arizona should be doing to our community. In the case of the College of Science, we, we have a different mission. Therefore, the way that we outreach into the community is slightly different. Some of those will overlap with what Ron talked about. We do uh, have programs that engage TUSD and K-12, but it's mostly high school. Uh, we have programs that engage our community through lecture series and you know, biosphere and telescopes and whatnot. Uh, and again, though, I think the importance of the outreach uh, is an educational component. And we do partner with, with companies and whatnot to create knowledge for them. What makes the College of Science, I think, unique in the world and that fits into the mission that I've just described is that about 60%, uh, at least 60% of the undergraduate students in the College of Science are engaged in research. We make it available. And how do we make it available? Well, do we have some federally funded contracts that do that? We have some privately funded grants Uber that does that. But, but in fact, what we have is a community of scholars that finds that to be an important part of what they do. 
I, I submit to you that if you go to Caltech and you're an undergraduate student, they have about five of them anyway, but if you're an undergraduate student, they'll, you know, they'll kick you out of the laboratories with sticks. They won't even let you near a lab. And here we have undergraduate students not washing petri dishes only, but really doing fundamental research with, with, with faculty. Why? Because the faculty believe that that's important. And what everybody in this room knows is that what you're changing from having undergraduate students to postdocs in your, in your laboratory is unbridled energy without any knowledge to a lot of knowledge with psychological problems. <laughs> so, so you have that. So you, you take, so you take a measure and you put it somewhere. You, you actually sort of mix things up. So, uh, so we have 60%. Faculty that have undergraduate students in their lab will continue having undergraduate students in the lab because it works very well. And if you have undergraduate students in the lab, you can go to TUSD and actually partner with them to have their best students, which are as good as our students, to be in our labs. So that's what we're doing there. All right. Now, I'm concerned about the College of Science, just like Ron is concerned about the College of Education. We may have what to most sound like a ton of money, but we spend it like drunken sailors, actually. So we don't have a whole bunch of money. We barely have enough money to do what we're supposed to do. Uh, it's expensive. Uh, the market that we compete with, which are the privates, is expensive. Um, and, uh, and we need to find ways to acquire those monies when they disappear from, from the state. The College of Science, just like the rest of the colleges in this, in this university, has, has been shrinking. Uh, we used to have about 300 faculty. We now have about 270. That's a 10% reduction. At the same time as you know, everybody wants to become a biologist, or it sounds like it anyway, and, and we're teaching our heads off. So, so the challenge, the challenge as in the next few years, in fact, and, uh, is, is how do we move forward in what I just said, the commitment to try to educate our students, and not actually have the wheels fall off the whole place as, uh, as, uh, as, as it could. All right. Um, the last thing I want to want to just mention um, is is the colleges of letters, arts, and sciences, which is what probably the one of the not the I'm not quite sure it's the most important, but it is one of the most important constructs of the transformation process uh, of last year. And although um, some of you may believe that the colleges of letters, arts, and sciences uh, was constructed as a cost-saving measure. Um, as, as you may expect, if, the, if you change the chairs of around the Titanic, that doesn't make the Titanic not sink. So that's not really the reason why I am interested in it, and that is not really the reason why I think it's a good idea. The savings will come at the edges. What makes it a good idea is going back to the premise that we need to educate our students. And I think actually a college is a partnership between fine arts and humanities and social and behavioral sciences and sciences will be able to create the curriculum which is going to be necessary for the students coming out in the 21st century to the workplace, workplace being either businesses or workplace either being universities. So um, I can envision then a new curricula uh, that doesn't exist now because it existed at the edges of various disciplines, that this construct that we're creating will allow us to, uh, to think about in a, in a better way. And I think it will also allow us to think about general education uh, 
again in a way uh, that fits the mission of this, of this partnership of colleges uh, perfectly. So I'm, I'm actually quite excited, and you know, the four deans, we sit down now twice, twice a week and talk about what, what, what's needed and best practices and whatnot, and I think that that's going to help this, this whole university and our students well. Finally, the last concern that I, that I just will leave you with, going back to the issue of, 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 of universities, there is no doubt that the entity in this country that has always been the envy of the world has been higher education. And a, a thing that I keep reminding people is that if you look, go and look at the list of U.S. Nobel Prize winners, uh, historically, and there are tons of them, they're mostly foreigners that have come here to this country, these institutions, because they've offered freedoms that, that you didn't have anywhere else. So you have a bunch of French folks and Japanese folks and all kinds of folks that have come to work in our institutions. So we've been a magnet of, uh, of talent forever. As other countries get stronger and as, and as our economy sort of doesn't do very well, my concern is that the U.S. Will, will actually have what's been happening to many countries forever, and that's called a brain drain. And now our best will actually go elsewhere. And the minute that that happens, then I'll open my bar in Acapulco, and you'll find me there with my shorts and my sandals dispensing beer and advice to everybody that comes to see me. Thank you very much. <laughs>